0: this place their home and their commitment to serve you. God, we do it for an audience of one, that you may be pleased and that you may be glorified. But in the end thereof, that somebody might be saved. That's why we sing. That's why we serve. That's why we clean. That's why we pray. That's why we teach. Not so we can be recognized, not so we can be exalted or puffed up. But that somebody might know you and that you might remember us to this end, God. This morning's preaching hour is about that. We want to see you high and lifted up. So would you wash our sins away this morning? Cleanse our hearts and minds. Take them off of the distractions of this world for just a moment. And allow us to peek into your word. Show us the unsearchable riches of the kingdom, God. That we might be better men and women when we leave here today. Some of us are in the season of we need a change. And we can only change, Lord, if your word gives us instruction and direction. So do it again, God. Do it again. Remember me, your servant, that my feet are but clay. My sins are many. But if you wash me, I'll be white as snow. Grant me preaching power and preaching permission. And to this end, we'll be grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'll open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 8, actually. I think I got the wrong standing. Thank you so much. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Yeah, that's wrong. I got a typo up there, y'all. I was typing this on the plane, sitting in a row that was too small for me. Don't laugh. That's sad. And I have my laptop. And the row was so small, I couldn't even put my laptop on the tray. So I had to turn it upside down and type like this. And poor Sister Wilson was trying to sleep on her man. And I was just trying to type, and ain't no telling what y'all gonna see on the screen. See, I told you, amen. Ain't no telling what you, (laughs) tell somebody, pray for your pastor, man. Pray for your pastor. I can tell you I'm in the book, though. I'm in the book. 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. If you got it, say, I got it, Reverend. Got it. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second, Abijah. And they were judges in Bersheba. this was the city town next to where Samson was in Ramah. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. And then all the elders of Israel gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, look. You are old and your sons don't walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us, like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me. They rejected that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served the gods. So they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his chariots and to be his horsemen and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. And he will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest. And some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage. And give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you chose for yourself. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. But nevertheless, The people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we'll have a king over us. That we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice, son. And make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of the city. Every man go to his city. And all God's people said. Amen. Turn to that good looking person next to you. And tell him, neighbor, neighbor, oh neighbor. Oh neighbor. This morning. This morning my pastor. pastor Going to tell, tell you about. What happened. What happened when, Israel when Israel. Got a king. Amen. You may be seated. What happened when Israel got a king? At the time of our text, family, Jehovah God has been the king of Israel, and he cared for the nation, as you know, since its beginning or its inception. But now the elders of the nation wanted another king to lead them. See, they had decided to reject God. And there were several motivating factors a friend in my library and I came up with. We decided to tell you that number one, one of the reasons why they rejected the God of heaven and earth for an earthly king is that Samuel's sons who were serving as associate justices, were not godly men. And as a result of their behavior, the elders of Israel decided they couldn't trust in men no more. Or men of Samuel's pedigree. The second reason why they wanted a king instead of God Since the time of the judges, the nation had always been ruled by judges. Series of different leaders. And so there was always a change in leadership. They wanted a monarchy where leadership wouldn't change anymore. The third thing they wanted, they wanted to be like the other nations. And this is where the problem came in. They wanted to be like the other nations and honor one man and make him the head of their nation. They saw other kings around them and thought their nations were powerful, thought their nations uh, didn't have to sustain threats because they had a man who was over them. So for some reason they felt like they were unprotected as a nation. Well, although all three of these reasons may have been good ideas to them and seem logical to them, they were foolish in reality. Why you say that, Pastor? Because God had taken care of them the whole time. And when you have God in control, you don't need no human judge. God had provided for them. Not no, no man had provided for them. God had taken care of them. God had ordered their steps and had been with them through everything. But still they chose to reject God and get themselves a king. The elders of Israel wanted what they thought, brother, brothers and sisters, what every other nation had. I broke it down for you. You Ready? They wanted a mortal leader. They wanted a man with limited power. Somebody with limited prestige. And somebody with limited permission to rule over them. They had somebody who was eternal, but they exchanged the eternal for the mortal. They rejected God for what was temporal and temperamental. They wanted to replace God with a weak and puny man as their king. Can I turn the light on right here? Isn't it a terrible thing when God's children reject what's best and demand what's bad for themselves instead? Isn't it a terrible thing when God's children embrace what is bad and call it good? and what's good and call it bad. It's sad to see God's people decide that they want to be just like the world and then demand that God let them be that way. In our text today, Sister Wilson, Love of My Life, we're going to examine why did not uh, Israel want God as a king. And we're going to look at why the world became so appealing to them that they had to have what the heathens around them had. We can learn from this text today, family, that God always knows what's best for us. And he always knows what's good for us. Can I get an amen right there? I got three pieces I'm going to argue and I'm going to get out of your way. Number one, I'm going to talk about Samuel's disappointment. Samuel's disappointment. And number two, oh, they're on the board. I'm going to talk about Samuel's displeasure. And then number three, we're going to close. with looking at Samuel's discovery. Y'all going to help me? Okay, keep your Bibles open and walk with me through the verse so you can see what I'm seeing. The text says in verse 1, now it came to pass when Samuel was old, okay, he made his sons judges over Israel. Some say he did this because he was no longer able to make the circuit journey to hear cases, so he appointed his own sons that he thought had his ministry at hand. The firstborn was named Joel, the second was Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways, daughter Carrie. They turned aside, rather, after dishonest gain, and they took bribes and perverted justice they wasn't raised that way but the money got to them can i unpack it when we come to this text we discover look at this that samuel first of all is an old man now and time has brought about a change the fruit of his ministry has gotten rotten And his own sons that he trusted with the ministry have turned out to be a disappointment to him. The text says that he put them in a position to serve God's people, but instead they became evil and messed up his ministry. See, according to the text, they had gotten corrupt and gone after the money. And according to the text, they messed up his name and misused and abused the office of the judge. And according to the text, they trampled on his authority that he had invested in them as their overseer, their father, and their leader. Sometimes your kids will go crazy, y'all. And they'll do things that you ain't never taught them to do. Come on, good parents, talk to me in here. Am I right right here? I know why they do it. Can somebody say, why, Pastor? Everybody got a sin nature. And if you ain't careful, your sin nature will make you misbehave. Look up and down at your neighbor and say, yep, I was looking at this text, sister Zuniga and daughter. The first thing that came to my mind is this must have broke his heart, as a daddy. This must have been a major disappointment for his own sons to behave this way he had gave his life sister Jackson to minister and and his to his sons and to his people and now in his old age his sons reject his word reject his practices they've turned away from the Lord they've ruined his good name they've messed over his people and his ministry and now they don't even want him as a leader no more can I ask a question right here Sister McBee, what do you do, daughter, when you come to the end of the road and your ministry has now become a failure? Right, right. Nobody get in the ministry to have it in like this. What do you do when you look for people to do right by you, but in the end they want nothing to do with you? What do you do when you've lived a life of integrity, but then your own family tear up your ministry? What do you do when your children reject the Lord and despise your hard work and hurt the people that you gave your life to serve? Samuel got to deal with these questions and he's got to balance these answers and then he still got to keep his eyes on the Lord. Guess why? Because God ain't through with him yet. If that wasn't bad enough, the text continued take to deliver some more of the same news. Verse 4, the Bible says that then, after the sons did that, then all the elders of Israel gathered together. They called a church meeting on him. Lord, sometimes them are some of the worst meetings in the world. Especially when they about the preacher's kids. Y'all catch that on the way home. The elders gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah. He was in Ramah. They came to his house. The boys was working in but That would have been like Selma. But he came, he came all the way to Fresno to tell Wilson, we need to meet with you. <laughs> I just said that so y'all get the picture, right? <laughs> and look at what they say in verse 5. Look at you, Samuel. You hold now. And your sons don't even walk in your ways. Now make us a king. To judge us like all the nations. Can I spend some time there? Here we see another great tragedy occur in the leadership and the ministry of Samuel. Those that he gave his life to serve have now come to the consensus that he can't no longer lead them. They say, you old now. And the nation has rejected God They've decided, Paul, that they no longer want him to rule over them or God to rule over them. But they want to be like all the heathen countries around them and have a man as a king. They acted as if God and Samuel had never done anything for them. See, to have a king over you was to make him your God. He has sovereign rule over everything, but there's only one person with sovereign rule in the universe. He's God. Are you with me here? So when they're asking for a king, they want him to take the place of Yahweh. When I look at the text, I'm baffled, Sister Ross, because not only was Samuel their judge who was appointed by God, so when they're rejecting Samuel, they're not really rejecting Samuel. They're rejecting the one who sent Samuel. I know Samuel must have been very disappointed in his people and in his ministry. But this would break any pastor's heart to have a congregation that you've lived and put your life on the line for. And then when you get old, they want to kick you to the curb. When I come to this passage, I'm almost sad to tell you the following things. If it happened to Samuel, it can happen to me. You you, you can too rest assured, family, that there will be some disappointments in your ministry. Come on, y'all. Can y'all focus? Am I I in here? You can rest assured that one day somebody going to see you too as obsolete and expendable. I know I'm right because we do it to our grandparents now. Tucking them away in these places where they're getting mistreated. Don't check on them. Don't visit them. If I'm making you sad, I hope I am. All of a sudden, they're expendable. Got no time for them. Got no room for them. And you got all these empty rooms in your house. You can rest assured that one day the 8-track player, the phonograph, the cassette tape will no longer be useful in an iPhone generation. There'll be times when those you serve will reject you too as their leader. Look, you too can be well assured that ministry rejection will happen. If it happened to Samuel, happened to Jesus, it'll happen to you and me. And that's why, that's why, family, you can't never make ministry all about people. Your ministry to people has to be done for an audience of one. Everything you do for people has to be done unto God. Or you'll get your feelings hurt trying to serve people. Can I just pastor in here? I tell you, there's been some men I lay my life down. They get mad at me and walk out and don't ever come back. I'm like, I knew I put 17,000 hours in that life. There'll come a time, though, when people will walk out your life. So you got to always know that when you serve others, you ain't doing it for them. You must be doing it for God. That makes sense right there? Yeah. And I believe that Samuel got affected by this, but nevertheless, he had an appointment to talk to the Lord about it. Yeah. And that's what the next verse is going to. I got a question right here I need to ask though. H- have you ever, this blows me away, that Samuel would go and talk to the Lord about this? Have you ever had to go to the Lord with a broken heart yeah. over your children? Yeah. Come on, don't play church with me. Have you ever had to go to the Lord with a sad countenance over somebody that you were discipling and they turned on you? Have you ever had to tell the Lord about the one you loved who all of a sudden wanted nothing to do with you? Have you ever had a broken spirit because of rejection? If you have, then you can relate to Samuel today. You are Samuel, and Samuel is you. Samuel had to come to the point where I got to tell the Lord about these people, and now they don't want me, and they don't want him. And I've come to discover in my few 26, 25 years of doing this, that sometimes, man, ministry will just break your heart. Ministry will cut out your heart. Ministry will throw your heart on the ground, sooner than that, trample on it, and stomp on it. Sometimes ministry will straight out hurt you. But nevertheless, if you live for God, you've been called to serve. So Samuel in this text of Israel asking for a king, number one, he experiences disappointment. Number two, he experiences displeasure. Y'all in here? Look at verse 6 with me. The Bible says that after they said this to Samuel, verse 6, the thing displeased Samuel. When they said, give us a king to judge us. And look at that. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, watch this. Heed to the voice of the people and all that they say to you. Huh? That's what I want the Lord to say. I got this, son. I'm going to take care of them. They didn't mess with you for the last time, amen. I want them to step in. Come on, y'all looking at me funny. Y'all had the same prayers. Those get them Lord prayers, you know. Am I right, Sister Red? Am I the only one praying them prayers? The get them Lord prayer. All right, I just, as we say, tell the truth and stay in the Baptist church. Amen. <laughs> Samuel prayed to the Lord. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed to the voice of the people, and all they say to you. And then look at this. He says, Brother Grady, for they have not rejected you, Samuel, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Verse 8. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they're also doing this to you also, Samuel. Now, Samuel, heed their voice. However, in your heeding of their voice, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Let's unpack this. When we come to these three verses, this passage we see that Samuel has, again, a great displeasure for how the children of Israel are acting. In his displeasure, he tells the Lord on the people. And in his trouble, he talks to the Lord. I need to, to remind myself here because I can be a brawler if I'm not careful. It's my nature. It's where I come from. I don't handle disrespect well. Y'all in here? Y'all from the same neighborhood, huh? Can't anybody just say anything to me or treat me any old kind of way? Tell your neighbor, God ain't through with my pastor yet. He ain't through with my pastor yet. (laughs) But look, we can learn from Samuel. Tell somebody, focus now, focus now. Samuel don't fight with the people. Y'all with me? He don't chastise the people, he don't go off on them, he prays about them, and he tells the Lord how they are misbehaving and acting toward the man of God. We can learn in this verse how we too, sons and daughters, are to act and handle situations like this. Look, when we have problems with those we are discipling or we are ministering to, we've given our lives to, our spouses, our children, we got to go to the Lord with every concern, with every issue, and every trial that confronts us. You know, here it is. We got to have a a war room. Y'all seen the movie yet? Y'all lagging, y'all lagging, y'all lagging. Go see the movie and go with the sermon. It go with the sermon. Amen. You you can't put your hands on everybody. You You can't use your words on everybody. You got to go to the Lord if you really want to win. Am I talking to you? The Bible says that the Lord answers Samuel's prayer. But he doesn't change the situation. In other words, what God does instead, Jasmine, is he gives Samuel instructions to give the people about, to give the people, rather, what they want. Can I say some more right there? Since they want to be like the world, Samuel, I'm going to let them. Here is where, here is where in the text, we we get to learn, Dresha, what the permissive will of God is like. In other words, this decision is not what's best for them. It's not what will help them or bless them, but it's what God ordains and is going to give them. In other words, he's going to allow them to misbehave, that they may learn to depend on him. I lost some of y'all in here, so come on, zoom in real close. God going to give them what they ask for. And then when he gives them what they ask for, it's going to become a teacher to teach them, don't you ever do it again. God's got some stuff in this world. That'll get your attention faster than he can. (laughs) Uh, See, Israel, they just like us, y'all. They think they know what they want. They think they know what they like, what they need. They think they know what they doing. They they think they know what's in the king. They think they want something, Sister Ross, that everybody else has. And so I like this about God. God is going to allow it to happen because he's going to use it for his honor and his glory. It's going to be a little painful, but hang on in here with me. I promise you'll feel better in the morning. But before I give it to you, repeat this after me. Once again, this is not his perfect will. Is his permissive will. Y'all ready? The child of God can learn from this passage that God will allow you to have some stuff in life to teach you through your mistakes. See, he's a sovereign God. He won't make you behave. Y'all catch me? He will allow for you to make some mistakes and exercise your freedom of choice. However, you should be aware that when you choose the world over him, your choice is your choice. And your mistake will be yours to live with. You can't blame God for the choice you make. So, so so don't confuse the blessings of God and your bad choices in life as being the same thing because they're not. Just because he elects to not stop you from doing something don't mean that he's blessed you of giving you permission to do it. I know y'all want some specifics, so I'm coming, I'm coming. His permissive will allows for us to do some things and also allows for you to suffer the consequences from ungodly decisions. Remember, family, his permissive will is still holy. And it's holy because he's going to use it to teach you to obey. Okay, here they come. I'm gonna get a lot of text messages about this one. Some of you married in the permissive will, not the perfect will. And you dealing with what you got. God did never tell you to marry him or marry her, but you had to have a kid. quiet in this house today. Can y'all handle it? Some of you are parents today because of a permissive will. Not a perfect will. Babies outside of marriage ain't God's perfect will. But you had a baby because he permitted the baby to live. But the pain and the suffering of being a single parent was not what God had in design for you. Some of you got some stuff you acquired along the way because of his permissive will. Gonorrhea and herpes. TB. That ain't God's perfect will. You was doing something you had no business doing. He didn't kill you, but he let you carry a little something, something with you. As a reminder, don't you do it again. Come on, I need your help, man. You know what I like to say? Hey, say amen right through here so they think I ain't talking about you. Amen it'll feel better, amen, it'll feel better some of us, some of us, Reverend Tong are going to take bad memories from life to glory because we earned them in the season of his permissive will and not the perfect will of God we could have obeyed him but instead we gave in to the temptation and the sin and the lust of the flesh and now you earned what you bought. So Israel's asking for a king. Samuel intercedes because his heart is broken. And God said, give them what they ask for. Tell them how a king is going to treat them. Point number three, Samuel's discovery. Y'all still love me? Y'all still going to say amen? amen? Tell somebody, don't make it up. Make it up. Look it up. Samuel's discovery. The text says in verse 7, And the Lord said to Samuel, again, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. I've read that 7, 8, and 9. Now heed to their voice, verse 9, And you shall solemnly, here it is, forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king that they want. God's trying to warn them about what they asking for. I can cut across the field but I'm not right here. Has God ever warned you about what you asking for? He's come to you in your dream or something and show you you better stay away from her. Don't you don't huh? don't you connect with him? That's a bad deal. Don't you buy that car. I'm just talking about well, I'm talking about here we discover what I call a powerful twist in the divine conversation. The Lord gives Samuel a clear declaration about what Israel has done and what, and what they're about to do. And he tells Samuel, look, warn the people. Warn them. He reminds Samuel that they've not done this to you, Samuel, but they've done it to me. So remind them about this decision they're going to make. Here we get to see what I call the sovereign hand of God. A holy God allowing his permissive will to become the school teacher for the disobedient. Can I turn the light on? Sister Brown, he won't fight for them. He won't he won't override their will. He won't make them behave. He won't force them to serve. He won't demand that they listen to Samuel and trust in the Lord. He's going to simply just grant them their soul's desire. That their own demise might turn them back to him. Let me stick a pen in here and waddle for a minute. Somebody the Lord is talking to this morning. You're in a season of his permissive will. You're about to make a bad mistake. But God ain't going to make you obey. He lets you choose. Somebody, you've already made the mistake and you see the consequences. But you got an opportunity today to turn. To get out of it. Instead of stay in it. Am I talking to you? Verse 10, the Bible says, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. They said, Brother Austin, he said to them, this is going to be the behavior of the king. Y'all want to rule over you. Number one, he's going to take your babies and he's going to appoint them over his chariots. They're going to be his horsemen and they're going to run before his chariots. They're going to be his slaves, in other words. Verse 12, he going to appoint captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And some are going to plow his ground and reap his harvest and make his weapons and of war and equipment for his chariots. He going to rule you guys with an army. That's what he's saying. He going to take your daughters and they going to have to work for him. They're going to be his perfumers and his cooks and his bakers. He's going to take the best of your fields, the best of your vineyards, and your olive groves, and he's going to give them to somebody who don't even deserve them, his servants. And then he's going to take a tenth of your grain. This was their money, by the way. Your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He going to take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work. He going to take a tenth of your sheep, and you going to be his servants. But you want a king. And you going to cry out in that day, Israel, but your king, whom you, for, uh, for, you, for your king, because of your king, rather, whom you have chosen for yourself. And the Lord, this is what's scary to me will not even hear you. Well, let me get ready to land the ship. Let me tell you this. According to God's word, an earthly king was going to take all their property. An earthly king was going to take their children. An earthly king was going to take their money. An earthly king was going to take their livelihood and make them his servants. And in the end, they were going to cry out to God, but God was not even going to listen to their prayers. What a tragedy. It's a tragedy because if they had only stayed with God, they could keep their wealth. They could keep their property. They could keep their families, keep their treasures, keep their livelihood. But they wanted another king. What a tragedy. If they had stayed with God, Garcia, and kept him as their king, they could keep their security. Because he would keep on taking care of them, serving them. Helping them, blessing them, working for them, loving them, promoting them, covering them, fighting for them, going before them, handling their fears, troubles, trials, and tribulations. But they wanted another king. What a tragedy. If they had just stayed with God as their king, they could keep the one who could handle their ups and their downs. If they just stay with God, they could have somebody who would be faithful even when they're faithless. If they just stay with God, they can have somebody who was steady when they were unstable. When they are insecure, he could be trusted. When they are fearful, he would be fearless. When they were unsuccessful, he would be successful. When they couldn't trust anyone, he could always be trusted. But they chose another king. I got to leave you now. But if there's anybody here today that's chosen the wrong king, make a change today. If you've chosen a man over God or a woman over God, a career over Over God. Or ghetto fame. Over God. I want to warn you today. About trusting in earthly kings. They will betray you. They will break your trust. They will take your treasures, abuse your love, misuse your children, kill your future, and ruin your dreams. Make a change today. Switch kings today. If I were you, I trust the true and the living God, who is the King of glory. If I were you, I trust in the only living King the one who reigns from all of eternity. If I were you, I'd give up my earthly king and trust in the heavenly king. Can I tell you why? Heaven's king has far better benefits than any earthly king. Heaven's king has a far better kingdom than anything dying and corroding on this side. Heaven's king has power that's not of this world. Heaven's king has a plan for my soul and my eternal future. But an earthly king only wants my money and my mess ups. An earthly king will fall short every time. But a heavenly king, he cannot fail. Do you know the king of glory? I said, do you know? the king of glory. If not, let me introduce you to him. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. He came down from heaven, was born of a little virgin girl, wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's the only king that transferred rule and reign in two worlds. He was born a king and then born again a king. Are you in here now? He rules in the universe and then ruled on earth at the same time. He's the only king that was shown up boiling in royalty. Didn't come from the bloodline of a human man, but his father was always a king. In fact, he has no beginning and he has no end. This king has royal power. This king has sovereign authority. This king, could say the word, and the blind would see. This king could say the word, and the deaf would hear. This king could say the word, and demons running high. This king could say the word, and rivers and oceans would part. This king could walk on water and calm the sea. This king fed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. This king could speak to diseases and command them to go away. This king had power over death and raised the dead back to life. This king had power that the world never seen before. Can I call roll right here? One day displayed his power. He said, I got so much power, I'm gonna lay down my life. And if I lay it down, because I'm king, I'll take it up again. And then that king marched up a hill called Calvary. And out on the cross, my king stretched high with a crown of thorns on his head. Died in a kingly position. Died with nails in his hands. Died with nails in his feet. When the king died, the earth went into confusion, hell got happy, and heaven went into mourning. When my king died, the sun refused to shine. When my king died, he opened up the heavens and made way for you and I to be reconciled back to a holy God when the king died he changed everything but I'm glad to tell you he had to die he had to die to purchase my sins to purchase my transgressions to fix it so I could be back in relationship with God the king died and I'm glad he died he died didn't he die He died, didn't he? But death couldn't kill him. I heard he descended into the grave and being the king himself, he stepped into hell, took the sting out of the grave and victory over the dead and raised back to life early Sunday morning you know why he raised he was the king and the king had all power the king had all power of heaven and earth in his hands now that's my kind of king I don't need a king who can't fix my worries I don't need a king who can't handle my fears I don't need a king who can't fight my battles who can't calm my stormy life who can't regulate my troubled mind I need a king who'll walk with me who'll talk with me who'll tell me that I'm his own he's a good king can I call roll right here he feeds me When I'm hungry, he clothes me when I'm bare. He helps me when I'm confused. He turns me up and keeps me straight. He's a good king. He takes care of me. Save me from sin. Save me and see me to glory. Call my name. Put it in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the kind of king he is. Do you know him today? Is he your king? Do you love the king? Will you serve the king? Somebody say yeah. Yeah. Say yeah. Yeah. Say long live the king. Listen, I'm going to close when I tell you. If you got the wrong king, get rid of him today. Fire that king and bow down to the one who has all power. Of heaven and earth in his hands. Give the Lord some praise today in his own house.